Hello and happy Thursday morning, everyone. Uh, we're, we're recording this at 8.22 Pacific, which is where I am. Hello, Seattle. Uh, 11.22 Pacific, where Mark is in the, uh, the Maryland area. Hello, uh, friends. Timestamps on this because we're going to discuss free agency for the next hour. So because we're doing this instead of writing stuff up, um, all our top five guys left will we'll sign in the next like five minutes and we'll yep. be late because that's yep. how the world works. That's how this week has worked. Yeah, it's been crazy. So uh, Doug Farrar, editor of Touchdown Wire, Mark Schofield, our five-tool guy. We are back. We did a free agency preview podcast last week, and we're going to assess the damage, such as it is, with a whole bunch of guys still left. Uh, uh, and I'm a little – I mean, I guess I'm not surprised by that. Like Kenny Galladay, I guess he he went to the Bengals and asked for a one year deal is what I I read somewhere. And now he's visiting the Giants on a prove it deal. And I know he was hurt last year, but this is I mean, you called him a scheme transcendent receiver. I think he's one of the four or five best contested catch receivers in the NFL. I talked to him at Trevor Gaines's gym last February when I was in L.A. for uh, business meetings for this. And, you know, the guy was working out like a fiend. So. I, in hearing from some people around Detroit, it seems like two things are happening. One, the wide receiver market as a whole has been soft. It's like and a I safety think, market for the last five years. All of a sudden, it's yeah. tanked. And I, I think a, a big part of that is we're going to see 30 wide receivers in the first three rounds of this draft. It's, yes. it, it's a great wide receiver class. And so if you're a team that wants help at wide receiver, you can either – pay Kenny Galladay what he wants or pay Juju Smith-Schuster what he wants. Or you could look at a Rashad Bateman or a Kadarius Tony and get them at like a third of the cost. It's a valid and point. Cause if I'm looking at Galladay or Bateman, I mean, I'd still take Galladay. If I'm looking at Sh- Smith-Schuster or like a Kadarius Tony. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's one part. And I think the other part is Galladay's market himself itself is a bit softer because I think, you know, you mentioned the, the contested catches. There's a little branch off that tree, which is you have to have a quarterback that's willing to make those throws. Yeah, You have, a, you have to have a quarterback like Matthew Stafford that's willing to say, I'll trust this guy. And you look around teams that might have a need a wide receiver, like say the New York Giants with Daniel Jones. Is Daniel Jones that kind of quarterback? I'm not sure. He's not going to throw YOLO balls. I, I, we had a we had a stat last year where he was like the the leading receiver on what was it zero to three step drops and one to five yard balls. He's not a YOLO guy, and yeah. he shouldn't be. He's not. Yeah, he's, he's not. not. And so if you're David Gettleman, you're thinking he's not going to live up to this contract that he wants because my quarterback's not going to put him in the situation to live up to that contract. Well, if and, you're Dave Gettleman, you're thinking I'm going to pay Leonard Williams a gross national product of France and I don't have to, but you know, right. Yeah. And I, and I'm going to draft, you know, an offensive tackle in the first round at 11, which yeah. I thought about doing for them. And, and yeah. 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 So yeah. So first I, of all, mean, you, I think that's yeah. the God, I think. Yeah. You, you dropped your mock uh, just now. Just Mark now. Schofield's oh, already 59 shares. We know how mocks do. Mocks um, mocks. Trevor at one, Justin yep. Fields at two. I'm not terribly surprised by that. And then you have the big trade. Yep. Uh, I, I still come back to Watson to Miami and I know yep. he wants to play in Denver. I know he wants to play in San Francisco, but I look at this two ways. One, if you're Miami, you have accumulated all this draft capital and if you think you're a quarterback away, go get the quarterback. If they have Deshaun Watson last year, they're a 12 win team. Yeah. That, that, that was a top five defense. Yeah. They are, they are, and not that Tua can't eventually become that guy, but he wasn't in his rookie year. And that's for right. multiple reasons. If they have a quarterback of that caliber, they might win that division. 
Yeah. I mean, if you're, yeah, the bills, yeah, the Patriots we will go deep on the Patriots in a minute, but that that's a, that's a serious for real team. Yeah. If you're Miami, you hope that Tua can become Deshaun Watson or you could wait for that to happen, or you can go get Deshaun Watson. Like, mm-hmm. so I, I keep coming back to that trade. Um, so Houston you know, receives Tua, the 2021 first round pick three overall, 18 overall, and wherever Miami lands in the first round in 2022. Yeah. Yeah. So they so then the Houston Texans take Jamar Chase, which will make Tua very happy. You have Trey Lance going to the Falcons at four. I do, and I know that's going to get some – raise some eyebrows and i know there is a huge contingent of atlanta fans that are looking at the matt ryan restructure Aaron freeman host of locked on falcons i love Aaron. he's out there driving the kyle pitts at four train and i can understand that too but the sort of framework of this was this is what i would do and if i'm atlanta i'm looking at the fact that you don't want to be picking at four again you don't want to be picking at four anytime soon but since you're here, take advantage of the drafted quarterback that will be a perfect fit for Arthur Smith and a guy that you might not have to play right away, given that you still have Matt Ryan. Well, so the restructure the restructure does. I'm looking at over the cap right now. Is dead money this year is 65.4 million? Is dead money next year is 40.5? Yeah. Ouch. And it's in 2022, he has a, a 7.5 million dollar roster bonus, but the prorated bonus now. Talk about the you know the gross national product of I don't know Estonia, whatever. Right. And so, and so that might be the argument that you go in a different direction. You go Kyle Pitch, you go Devonta Smith, you go. I've seen some people say running back at four, which just no, 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 no. Party like it's nineteen ninety five. Yeah, no, we're not going to do that. But if you're going to stay and make a pick for somebody that's going to help you in twenty twenty one because of the Ryan situation, then yeah, you know, you could draft a Devonta Smith, you could draft a Kyle Pitts, you could that would be fantastic. Kyle Pitts and Arthur Smith's offense would be fantastic. But if Ooh, it were doggy. me. I'm looking at the opportunity that you get a chance to get the quarterback that could be great for your offense after Matt Ryan. I would go Lance, but I get the Kyle Pitts argument. And he's going to sit for two years. And I, I asked him about a couple of plays in that central Arkansas game uh, at his pro day. And he was very forthcoming. I mean, the deep out late in the game, which was a great throw. And then the inter- the one interception he threw in college, he was very, I loved that he was really forthcoming about, Hey, I missed it. I was late. I didn't see the safety. He didn't try and, not that he would blame his receivers, but he didn't delay. He said, and he had prepared this answer. I did this. I did that. I did this. And I, I like that. But the thing about central Arkansas that no one talks about, and you and I discussed this last week, it, it's not so much that Trey Lance had a bad game. It's that central Arkansas brought the freaking hammer of the gods. They were showing him like Todd Bowles coverage switches. Yeah. My concern with Lance is that's pretty much the only Todd Bowles level coverage switches he ever seen. He did not respond well. He was zero for six on balls of 20 air yards or more. He had problems with that stuff. So you're then now from the sitting one or two years perspective. Yeah. I think it's a good fit in the, do you want a quarterback to sit for one or two years in today's NFL? I don't know. Yeah, I mean that's a big Aaron Rodgers paradigm. That doesn't happen anymore. When no, you because get a guy you want to throw him out there and you know throw him on the tarmac and see if you can fly. Because you want to maximize the rookie deal. And yep. yeah, I mean I understand that. I understand that. Although um, the Falcons are in a position where they, I mean, even if they get if they, if they got Trey Lance in the fourth round and he started, it doesn't matter because they've got this Matt Ryan contractual albatross for the next two years. But that's yeah. you know different story. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals. Now I'm doing a mock on Monday. It's interesting that both of us have Rashawn Slater over Penny Sewell. Yeah. Now, not, that's not necessarily as a talent, but we both have, you know, in both our mocks, spoiler, spoiler alert for mine, we're both putting Slater above 
Sewell. What was your reasoning for that? Bengals at I, five. I think he's a better fit for the Bengals at five because you've got Jonah Williams at left tackle. You've got now you can drop Slater in at right tackle, or you can, you know, he has played some guard. You know, you can move him inside. He has that potential as well. Um, you know, Sewell is a very good prospect. And I, I think part of what's happened is he was built up to be this best non-quarterback in the draft last summer. And people have started to sort of chip away at that argument as well as looking at what Slater did during his time when he was going up against some great pass rushers like Chase Young uh-huh. and handling it pretty well. He just had a fantastic pro day. And so, I mean, Slater's sort of moving up. But with Duke Mayweather, I know Duke is coaching him. But when he says he's OT1, you and I listen. Yes. Like, we listened to Duke that. Was, and Duke, he worked with us in NFL 1000. He's worked for the Cowboys. He coaches half the offensive line in the NFL and the other half in college. I mean, Duke's a brilliant guy. Um, I would not necessarily, based on scheme, disagree with Slater as OT1. I, you know, I, I think Sewell overall is a better player. Um, you know, the, the, what I call the annual generational thing. <laughs> You know, we, get, we do it. We, we did it with that. Lawrence. We're doing it with Sua. We'll do it next year with who knows who, but yeah. we'll, that's coming. You know, uh, and then we chip away at them. Yeah. But he's a hell of a player. And yeah. I, you know, if you're, if you're running more, because they can both run zone, um, yeah. they can both pull. Yeah. Uh, if I, if I want a little, now, Sewell has this rep against Auburn where he took the edge guy and threw him like three yards to his left with a Reggie White hunt move. So let's not get into the whole idea that Sewell is just a finesse guy. That's not. No, 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 no. But what, (laughs) and I asked uh, Slater on his virtual pro day, like you, you, there was one rep where he took Chase Young and got under his pads and pushed him to the left about three yards, just kind of forklifted him and just, and, and ran him back. And I asked him like, what was your mindset going to that? And you just said, everyone said this guy's the best. So that's what I have to do. Like, yeah. I mean, look, Slater, there are guys in the have... NFL who can't do that to chase young. There are guys both in the NFL who are, have gone to pro bowls and can't do that to chase young. Yeah. I mean, both these guys do seem to have some edge to them, some finish to them, yep. some finishers mentality, you know, and so I think that's great. You know, if Cincinnati goes Sewell here at five, like I more than understand. Like I get it. I I just right now I'm looking at Slater and I think that's a nice little fit for them. I think Sewell would more like design an architecture to get the perfect angle to just, you know, move you 2.7 yards in this direction. I think Slater just wants to get in a fist fight and yeah. kick your ass. Yeah. Uh, both approaches work. If you get a guy with both, you know, you have Walter Jones. So who knows? Uh, we'll just go through the top 10 here because we've got a lot to cover in free agency. Top 10 of Mark's, uh, Mark's mock. Uh, number six, Carolina Panthers. Zach Wilson slide stops there. Nice scheme fit. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, look, if Wilson does slide, I don't think he will. But in this scenario, if he does, I think Panthers go get him. I think the scheme fit is fantastic. You know, some spread stuff. Um, some empty stuff, you know, maximize his athleticism. Um, Carolina does seem to be in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. We've heard a lot about that. So maybe that's where they end up going to quarterback. And if Trey Lance slides at all, he won't go past eight. No, no, no. And and so I I, I think if Carolina doesn't get Watson, they're grabbing a quarterback at some point. Wilson would be fantastic for them. Somebody asked me on Twitter this morning what I thought of Wilson. I said he's a perfect – he has a perfect kind of archetype for today's NFL because he has the second reaction ability – and the ability to make every throw downfield tied. And, and the two things are tied together with play and run action. Yeah. And that really is, and, and Trevor Lawrence has this too. Um, and Trey Lance has it to a 
developmental degree in comparison to those two guys. But that to me is the paradigm of the modern NFL quarterback. It's deep downfield shots, you know, short to intermediate game. Sure. Uh, timing and rhythm is sure. But, and then you have the second reaction ability tie together, play and run action. That's, you know, that's what you want. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, Wilson is somewhat scheme diverse, I think, as a quarterback. Um, obviously, a lot of people look at the Jets at two because of that outside zone boot action stuff, which he did at BYU. You know, I think he could be a bit more than that. Yeah. I think the sort of grip it and rip it West Coast on steroids that Joe Brady kind of runs would be a f- f- fantastic place for him. Put it this way. If you told Bruce Arians he could have Zach Wilson after Tom Brady, Bruce would – get his best whiskey out of the the back yeah, he, for you a large sni- uh, snifter of it yeah he would just he would be overjoyed at that aspect mm-hmm. uh let's see number seven jalen waddle to the lions jared goff god knows he's gonna need playmakers marvin jones off to the jaguars kenny galladay off somewhere this would help this yeah this would help. help i mean you know whether it's waddle whether it's devonta smith whether it's rashad bateman um you know those are four fantastic wide receivers i think they would need somebody i love waddle I love how he runs routes, how he paces himself on routes, how he has like three gears on a single route to really sell defenders on what he's doing and then accelerate away from them. You know, you're going to need somebody that can separate. Both Smith and Waddle could separate. Um, I lean Waddle, um, but I think they need a wide receiver. You know, you're going to lose Galladay. You're going to lose Mar- – you've lost Marvin Jones. You need somebody that Goff could throw to and that somebody's going to, that Goff will feel willing to throw to given the struggles that he's had. Can he be Tyreek Hill? I know a lot of people have sort of thrown that out. I think Tyreek is a and I'm not I'm not impugning Waddle's toughness. Uh, how should I put this? I think Tyreek Hill is a somewhat stockier guy who works a little bit better in traffic based on what I've seen from both receivers. Yeah, I mean, you know, Tyreek <laughs> is just a fantastic, you know, speed blaze talent. Um, you know, and I, I think Waddle could be that kind of player. Um, I think Waddle's willingness to work over the middle is something that I think as people dive back into him, once free agency comes down, you'll see that. Yeah. I think what was interesting about Alabama is early in the season when Waddle was healthy, a lot of the, like, the designed plays, the swings, the screens, the shallows went to Waddle, mm-hmm. and then they went to Smith after Waddle went down. And I think there's two ways to sort of look at it. Either they, have, they felt like they had to – Sark felt like he had to manufacture stuff for Waddle – or he felt that like Waddle was the more dynamic playmaker that he wanted to give that stuff to. You, know, you can uh, look at that either way. Zero to 10 yards, I think so, because Waddle and Hill have the same that you give them a slip screen, you miss one tackle, house, bye. Yeah. Later, yeah. ball game. Yeah. Move on. And I mean, and maybe part of that was the fact that, look, maybe Smith, they felt like was the better pure receiver. So, I mean, there's just two different ways. I would say, that. yeah, as far as your ability to do multiple things, it certainly is a deep guy. I mean, yeah, that that's a whole different thing. So, uh, Carolina Panthers drafted at six. Why is that? Because the Eagles drafted at eight uh, with a trade and they still get their guy, Kyle Pitts, who everyone wants yeah. to go to the Eagles just because that would be fun. That would be fun. Um, you know, I, I think there, there, there's a re and I know Eagles fans will look at this and I've been on some Eagles shows where they're like, we can't draft another tight end. He's not just a, he's not a tight end. Uh-uh. Like he's just an offensive player. Um, you could see, and I know we're going to talk about New England, what the Patriots well, I was just going to say, we're going to get into the crucial role of the why ISO in today's NFL passing game. And this is a guy who day one is that guy. Yeah. He's yeah. Day one so you force the defense to, 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 you know, to treat it as 11 or 12, and then you make them run with whatever they do. Mm-hmm. 
number nine, Denver Broncos, Patrick Sertan, uh, cornerback, Alabama, cover zero, cover or cover two, cover zero and two man all day. Best man corner in this draft. Uh, yeah. I don't think yeah. I, I don't think it's close. So you want man, you want match. Vic finds you and Ed Donatel. We'll just take this guy and bang. There he is. Yep. Uh, Ronald Darby, also an interesting, I'm, I'm not sure about that one yet. I need to watch more Darby tape, but that was like, okay, we'll go that way. And then Dallas Cowboys, God knows, well, they lost uh, a, a woozy eight. Yeah. The Bengals, we're going to talk about that, about how the strategy of losing your two best defensive guys and drafting worse or signing worse versions of them is not necessarily winning strategy, but I digress. Uh, so the Cowboys get Caleb Farley, cornerback, Virginia Tech. Uh, you know, smoother operator than Sertan, different guy, yeah. but certainly different players, but they want. and you know, a bit newer to the position. He came to Virginia Tech as a wide receiver. Um, so I think there's some upside there. We've talked about coach him up itis, but I think this could be a good spot for that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think he moves well already, and I, I think he can grow a little bit, and they certainly need corner help. He's a he's a really good cover two guy. Um I know there was one guy I muted who uh, impugned my whole, you know best cornerback by coverage thing, but you know, whatever, go write your own thing. Jerk. Uh, so spoiler, it's just for all you Raiders fans who are like, who's going to be on our offensive line. Uh, according to Mark's draft, that will be Mr. Sewell uh, with the 11th overall pick because the Raiders are trading up. Yeah. To get Sewell. Yeah. They're up coming up from 17 a giant slide back and the Raiders get Penny Sewell and they take care of those little slide there, which I think if you're a Raiders fan, you've lost most of your offensive line to get the guy that people thought that was the generational offensive line talent. That's not a bad little thing to do. The only problem with that is that Tom Cable's in charge of buying the groceries, which means their new left tackle will be, or their new right tackle, because Colton Miller's their left tackle, will be some like Division three guy who played defensive tackle in college, and Tom thinks he can convert him. Yeah. So Raiders fans. I just I I experienced enough of that in Seattle to know. But anyway. Ouch. Okay. Um, so I wrote an article this morning about Jimmy Garoppolo and we discussed this. We've discussed this at length multiple times. Why are the 49ers holding on to him? Uh, sign him to a five year, $137.5 million contract uh, in 2018. They had traded a second round pick the year before. Um. You know, Garoppolo's limitations, besides the fact that he can't stay healthy and availability is an ability. Um, I would I would say he's kind of discount Tony Romo. I would say as far as his limit, I, I, he's another guy like Goff or Wentz, where he has to be schemed up dramatically. And even then he's bumping his head on his own ceiling. Um, you and I have discussed, and I'll ask you to explain, what does it mean when you can't, read middle of the field closed coverage because this showed up in the super bowl more than once he threw that last pick from a clean pocket into double coverage downfield and both safeties were deep and i'm like what the hell are you doing and then i know you remember because it was the patriots uh one of the two picks he throwed through throwed high <sighs> sleep deprivation he threw against the patriots last year week seven uh patriots starting cover zero and then uh, Devin mccordy drops the deep third pretty you know, common the Patriots will not usually run cover zero. They'll drop a safety and it's a late switch and they do late switch as well. Garoppolo didn't see it. So before we get into the financial particulars, um, give me kind of your overall assessment of Garoppolo based on what you've seen and what it means for a quarterback when you can't read 
MLFC coverage? Yeah, I mean, it's a problem because so much of what, you know, Seth Galina wrote recently about what the NFL teams are doing, what we're going to see more of in showing too high to sort of get you to run the football, you know, because the name of the game on the defensive side of the ball right now is to force teams to run the football. Um, but then what a lot of defenses are doing is showing too high, but spinning one of those safeties down post snap to then confuse the receivers and the quarterback. If you then decide to still know what we're going to throw the football. And one of the examples he used of a quarterback getting confused against that look, hesitating, throwing late and forcing a throw in an interception was a play from Jimmy Garoppolo. And a lot of the problems arise when the quarterback is slow to make that recognition. And this is what happened to Garoppolo because he sees the too high and he wants to throw a dig route, a crosser working from left to right in front of those two safeties. But now you've got that sort of one safety coming down in a robber in that sort of deeper hole. So he has to come off of it and he doesn't read it late. I mean, he doesn't read it quickly enough. And so he comes to the vertical route on the left, late in the down, and then your center fielder is able to come over and make the play. And so that's the issue. It, it stresses the quarterback from a mental decision-making and process and speed standpoint. And then you force a late throw late in the down. And if you've got a good center field safety, he can break on the throw. And so that's what that's what the problem is. It, it's, it's not so much that he can't read it. It's that he reads it slowly. You know, because if, well, if you read it slowly, then you can't. If you read it slowly, you can't read it. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, because if Garoppolo comes to that vertical early in the down, and you know maybe looks at the dig, holds the free safety, throws the vertical early in the down, you've got a big play. But when you're missing on those opportunities, you've got a problem with the quarterback position, and th- and that's the struggle um, with Garoppolo and sort of reading those middle of the field coverages. Because if defenses are going to continue to do this, if they're going to continue to show too high, force you to run the football, because we all know passing is king, running is not effective. But if the defense, if the offense decides not to play along, and we're going to throw it, and they're spitting into one high you've got to be able to read that look. And if you can't, you've got a problem. And he's been in the NFL since what? 2014? 2015. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a long time. To yeah, not 2014. It was the 2014 class. That's a long time to not be able to do that. And two of the more advanced yeah. offenses in the, in the NFL, NFL history, really Patriots and 49ers. So people are going to say, well, what's the deal? Even after they gave Trent Williams, $500 bazillion, 49ers have 13 million in cap space per over the cap. But here's, here are the particulars. Uh, as the new league year turned over on Wednesday, new contract years were final, and the 49ers officially invested a cap hit of $26.4 million in Garoppolo for the 2021 season. Had they released Garoppolo, and I guess they can still do this if they want, the dead cap yeah. hit would have been just $2.8 million. So now the reduced salary cap of $182.5, most of their secondary is still in the open market. They re-signed Jason Verrett, but, you know, Sherm's out there. Jaquiski Tart, one of the better sort of multi-position safeties is out there. Quarterback position still undefined. There's Garoppolo with the seventh highest cap number of any quarterback in the NFL in 2021. 49ers leaving $23.6 million in difference on the table for a quarterback who has not earned that level of commitment, not even close. So I talked to Jason Fitzpatrick, of, who runs over the cap, and Brad Spielberger, who I know we both know, uh, yeah. who does work for Pro Football Focus and for Over the Cap. Um, Jason was telling me what they can do is – a simple pay cut for this year, leave 2022 as it is. And I, I guess what they can do per Jason is they can go to Garoppolo and say, Hey, it was, you know, 26. We're going to give you 13 guaranteed. We're going to guarantee that we're going to lock that in. 
everything else is incentives. And I don't think Garoppolo has no reason to take that deal unless he just, you know, I don't, I don't know if he'd do that. Uh, if he refuses trade isn't an option, maybe they would do as, um, cause I was asking, cause he, his deal run through 2022 and this was the first year he it either wasn't radically front loaded or he didn't have some sort of guarantee when the league year kicked over. He has no guarantees beyond the cap hit either this year or next year, which is why the dead money just dropped. Um, Jason said, maybe they would do, as you were saying, by converting some money to a bonus to move half of it to 2022 by guaranteeing some 2022 salary and reduction this year. Um, he says they're okay with the cap this year, even after the Williams deal. And Hey, you know what? They, they managed it to where they can give Williams a six year, $138 million contract. And it's uh, I think Williams' first year cap hit is 8.2 million. Difference with Williams is that Rody's already proven to be one of the best players at his position, and he's done so for a long time. Garoppolo holds no such shit. I don't know why they're doing this. I don't know either. I mean, unless it's sunk cost and you're just trying to validate a mistake. But that's that's a flawed way of doing business. Well, I know it is, but is that what they're doing? I mean, it might be what they're doing. You know, it might be another example of Shanahan coaching up by where he thinks he could just scheme him out of this. And, you know, if you. And of if course, the look, inverse argument is: Why are you bothering with Garoppolo when you're Kyle freaking Shanahan? You can scheme up half the guys in the league and make them better than they are. Which is why I have them drafting Mac Jones at twelve. Which I don't like, but hey, if I mean, if he hey, if he can teach Matt Ryan to run boot, it took him yeah. two years to do it, and they go to the Super Bowl that year. Then maybe you can do that with Mac Jones. You know, I I, I think part of it might be they're looking at the quarterback landscape and they're thinking, what is a better option out here right now? Now, you know, they, they could, if they end up in a position to draft a rookie, then they might sort of revisit this. Then they might sort of use Garoppolo as a bridge and just eat the money this year. And it's um, not that Kyle couldn't adapt to a, a pocket. I'm not saying that Kyle Shanahan, who woke up this morning, had a brand muffin and, you know, burped out more than we know about football combined, right. but still. Yeah, I mean... It's it's an interesting situation. I, we're both surprised that Garoppolo's still there, but look at around. You know, is there a better option? Is there a better immediate be option? Not per se, no. unless they want to trade for a guy. Yeah, that's what, and and that still might. I mean, I, we we've talked a lot about you know the Jets and what they do it too, and you know they're they're rumored to be looking at Juju Smith-Schuster right now, who obviously played his college ball with Sam Darnold, and there's thoughts that maybe they run it back with Sam. Who knows? I don't we've think I don't think Darnold's any better than Garoppolo. Maybe you flip the two. Yeah, let's see what Darnold's cap hit is. Uh... I mean, it can't be much. He's still on his rookie deal. Yep. Sam Darnold's cap hit this year is oh it's the last year well they can they can do a fifth year option i did a piece on all the guys with fifth year options from the 2018 draft i said they should not uh his right. cap hit is a little it's 9.8 million yeah so it's not outrageous yeah um yeah I, so you're I mean, getting yeah it's a it's a it's a jag for a jag and you're just saving you know x millions of dollars yeah i mean it's just another thing <laughs> to think about i mean yeah. Who knows what's going to happen? But I, I think with respect to the Garoppolo, that they're just looking at it right now. Unless we trade for somebody, there's not an immediate player. I mean, a Marcus Mariota. Um, I, I'm just, I'm just not so sure that there's an immediate player that can. I, is Marcus Mariota a 20 percent improvement in Kyle Shanahan's offense over Jimmy Garoppolo? I would opine that he is. 
I mean, he could be. Is he, you know, a Hall of Famer in Kyle Shanahan's offense? No, no he's not. better. And he'd be better right now. Yeah, let's, I mean, see that, what, let's see why you're talking. Let's see what his cap, cap is. Yeah, because that might be the other thing. Because I know the Raiders signed him to a cost prohibitive deal that is the reason why he might need to be moved. Wow. 15.35 million cap hit in 2021. Yeah. Which is why the Raiders. That's, that's a, that's a, that's a spicy meatball. I don't yeah. know about that. So, I mean, I mean that's probably saving 11 million over Garoppolo. So maybe yeah. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, but I we mean, that's going to be spicy the situation. Than I thought, yeah, that's okay. Enough of that muck. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about a passing game. That's a bit more fun. And I know you are highly invested in this because you're a Patriots guy. So, there are two ways to, to kind of spin the Patriots spending in free agency. You can either say that Bill Belichick is, and I see this a lot, Belichick is signing these guys to make up for mistakes he made in the draft. And my response to that is, so what? <laughs> right. he, he knew with all those opt-outs that, that 2020 was going to be a waste year. He knew that Brady was gone. He knew that he would have to sign a quarterback who would take some time to learn a very advanced offense with basically no off season. So he knew, he knew, he knew. Now they come back, they've got, you know, huge money to spend. They sign Hunter Henry and uh, Johnny Smith as their tight ends. And as you pointed out, just to, real quick, Henry is the why I so here. And Belichick, as you said, is praising Johnny Smith's blocking for a long time. So he's yeah. the sort of nub, uh, you know, X, not, not not X the uh, you know the the Joe Gibbs thing. Um, you thank you. Yeah, it's it's you in the, in the John in, in John Gruden personnel vocabulary. It's you Smith. So um, and then they sign Nelson Aguilar, and I want to give you uh, these are the deep. These are the stats uh, on passes of twenty air yards or more last season. Two AFC West receivers. One receiver on deep passes had 11 catches on 23 targets of 20 or more air yards for 444 yards and six touchdowns. The other AFC West receiver had 13 deep catches on 33 targets for 475 yards and eight touchdowns. The first receiver is Nelson Aguilar. Second receiver is Tyree Kill. Those numbers are very close. Yep. You don't think of Nelson Aguilar as that guy, but last year with the Raiders, he was that guy. So he was. That's one component. Now, Mark, what is the one nearly indefensible formation in the NFL today? You and I have both written about this. Yeah, it's that sort of why ISO look with the tight end. Sometimes you put the back set to the tight end, so you've got now Hunter Henry over there. And then you put your speedy slot receivers, the inside number three to the trips. And we talked about this a lot during the playoffs with Travis Kelsey is the why ISO guy, Tyree Kill, the number three guy, the other side of the trips, because you force the defense to do a bunch of bad decisions. Um, cause you're going to find a way to create advantageous matchups in addition to coverage indicators, pre-snap as an offense. Um, and we had a fascinating discussion with Chris Brown, smart yes. football about all of that the other morning on Twitter. And look, is Hunter Henry, Travis Kelsey? No. Is Nelson Aguilar or Tyree kill? No. Is Cam Newton or quarterback to be named later, Patrick Mahomes? Absolutely not. But you have the same effect where now if you're the quarterback and you have that formation, you look at the defense, and if you see, oh, they've got a corner over Hunter Henry, I know in all likelihood either it's zone coverage or they're putting a corner on Hunter Henry. 
And so you might have an advantageous matchup somewhere else. Or, well, I did you know, tape, you know I, yeah, I did tape examples of Henry uh, just demolishing uh, Keyshawn Nixon, cornerback for the Raiders, like right out of the film, right out of the end zone angle for a touchdown. Yeah. He'll do that all day. And then uh, Aguilar caught a 21 yard touchdown pass against the Colts in week 14 for those very same Raiders. Aguilar had the inside slot. They had Darren Waller as the Y ISO to the other side. So this is, this is their speed guy in the inside of trips to one to the, the front side and the Y ISO to the boundary and Waller, who is not Kelsey either, but he's pretty damn explosive. So both Aguilar and Henry have familiarity with this particular, and the, the Henry touchdown against the Raiders did trips right. So now the, the inside guy ran a, a kind of receiver screen route, but they could clearly do that. And we have to remember that Belichick was running Y ISO with Gronk like 10 years ago. So yeah. this isn't new and it, yeah. it, it comes right away. It comes now, right away. I, I, by the way, the other stat that's amazing is last year the Patriots had, and I wish they'd done one more so I could bring out the Ed Rooney thing again. They had eight snaps last year with two tight ends. Yeah. The Bills ranked second at 33. 18 teams had over a hundred snaps with two tight ends. So Belichick had, you know, fricking fracas tight ends, Asi uh, Asi and the other guy. Dalton Keene. And just said, you know what? Screw it. I, this isn't going to work. Yeah. And so I, 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 so they, they will have eight snaps of two tight ends in the first quarter of first the, 20, the first game. I mean, I, I know that there are a lot of people, friends of ours, people we know and love that have been very critical of what Belichick has done over the past 72 hours. And I understand that this is very much the kind of deal making that those of us on the outside would criticize other teams for doing. But I think that they had this, they had the cap space to spend it. They looked at their roster and they said, this is just not working. We need to upgrade at positions, particularly wide receiver and tight end. And you look at, and they know, also got born from San Francisco is kind of an underrated guy. And yep. as you mentioned, there are 30 receivers going in what the first three rounds. Yep. So they, can, so they can go nuts right there too. Yeah, and this is the interesting thing now because the biggest question that they still face is quarterback. Yep. Will they go up and get somebody? Can they do that? Well, they've got 15, they've got 46, they've got 96. Like those are three picks in the first 100. That's not a ton. And we've all seen Bill Belichick in the past rather than go up, go down. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would not surprise me, even though a lot of people are saying they're going to now go up and get a guy. Maybe they still do. Um I don't know if they'll be able to. There are so many. So who's your teams. guy? Who's your guy? If they either go down from 15 or more specifically, because I think we all know who the first round guys are. Like the, if they, if they say there's a second or third round guy, the Patriots in particular would find interesting based on your tape study of the quarterbacks in this class. Who is he? Who's Kellen Mond or Jamie Newman yeah. would be the two. And I, I, I would leave, I would prefer Newman. Um, I, I think Jamie Newman under Cam Newton for a season or two would be fascinating to yeah. watch. Um, give it, give us a thumbnail Newman for those of us who haven't really, because I'm Newman's interested because, you know, he opted out last season after transferring to Georgia. I would have loved to have seen him not opt out, but you know, obviously we all understand why people made that decision, but I would have loved to have seen him in the sec year prior. He was at wake and I've described this to some people that wake forest offense that season was the most, it was simultaneously quarterback friendly and quarterback unfriendly. And what I mean by that was they did a lot of RPO stuff, RPO structures where you're trying to get guys into conflict and giving them designed reads and throws. But it wasn't your traditional RPO where you take the snap and just mesh point seven yards deep. He's walking with the running back towards the line of scrimmage. 
and then pulling and throwing while, while he's like a yard behind the line of scrimmage, but being asked to pull and throw those same five-step glance routes that other guys are doing, that Joe Burrow was doing. That's a tough ask. And so while they were trying to make things easy for him, it was hard to do conceptually and tech, you know, technically because he's trying to reset his feet late at the line of scrimmage with guys at his face. I think he's intriguing. I think he's a bit rusty. He had a great first day at the senior bowl, but really sort of fell off after that. Made some late throws over the middle, which is sort of the cardinal rule of quarterback. And the do we forgive Rusty? The, yeah, not, not to interrupt. Do we forgive Rusty? Because we're going to get we Ru- we're going to get Rusty in the preseason, whatever the preseason is in the first month of the NFL season. If you're a rookie, we're going to get Rusty, and that's just yeah. I, I, I forgive Rusty. I think we forgive Rusty. Um, you know, but that's Newman. I know Mond is getting a lot of buzz right now, and the talent is certainly there. Um, he makes some jaw-dropping pro- throws, both good and bad. Um, <laughs> but I think if they trade back from 15 to get a pick in, say, the 60s or 70s um, to sort of fill in that gap between 46 and, and 96, the Brady comp pick, those would be two guys to watch. I would Lance love to see them go up and get Lance. Um, I think Lance would be perfect, but I don't know if that happens. They have to draft a quarterback with a Brady comp pick. That's just, you know. That's just the way this works. They also have, they also right now have a pick of one ninety nine. Oh, there it is. Yeah. So Brady White from Memphis, which yeah. circle of life right there. Circle of life. Yes, indeed. Uh, Hakuna Matata. So uh, speaking of not Hakuna Matata, the now we both wrote extensive scouting reports on all these free agents, and I want to start. Well, I want to go happy first. I put together a list based on both of our reports of the best NFL free agent signings in 21, 2021 so far. Um, we've graded, I don't know how many players. <laughs> it's a, a blur. So I want to get granular and go into uh, number one for me, it, it was my best cornerback on the board, best man cornerback on the board, certainly uh, top five man cornerback for the last two years, William Jackson, Washington football team. Now we don't remember this, but, Washington was third in defensive DVOA and second behind only the Steelers in pass defense DVOA. This could put them over the top. Um, This guy is sticky. He will match you all over the field, no matter what you're running. It doesn't matter. And, uh, you know, can play zone. I mean, I'm not saying he's exclusively a man cornerback. It's just that it's so rare to find a man cornerback who can be consistently good over more than one year. Um, we've even, and injuries had a part of it, but like Stefan Gilmore last year, you know, to play man corner from what I just, my study over the last 15 years, if you play man, even two years in a row at a really high level, that's hard. It's rare. And that's what he's done. Now, Washington football team last year played man coverage in just 24% of their defensive snaps, but they allowed an EPA per play of zero minus 0.26 third best in the league. This is a team that's going to, you're going to see more cover zero cover one, two man Kendall Fuller played that before Um, this to me. And of course you get, and they did other great stuff. They got Ryan Fitzpatrick, good, you know, yellow balls all over the place to McLaurin and they got Curtis Samuel. So they won the division at seven and nine they could win the division this year at 12 and four. And that defense is going to lead the way. Cause that's ferocious. Yeah. That's a fantastic. I, I think we both love what Washington has done. That's a fantastic defense. A very when was the last time we could say that about that team. Maybe they decided to change their nickname and they could all of a sudden be good at free agency. Yeah, maybe, um, you know, I, 
the Jackson signing a, a CB one type guy for CB two money is, yep. is fantastic. Can't do any better than that. Um, you know, I, I love Fitzpatrick for a couple of different reasons. One, he might give you stability at the quarterback position, which was the main thing you were missing last year, aside from offensive weapons. Then you add in Curtis Samuel. And so now you're suddenly putting together an 11 personnel package with Logan Thomas at tight end. And you have one sort of question mark as that third receiver. Maybe you draft somebody out of the 30 wide receivers we might see in the first 96 picks or so. I mean, imagine what Rashad Bateman could look like with McLaurin and Curtis Samuel. Right? Yikes. And let's not forget Antonio Gibson out of the backfield too. Thank you. I mean, you, you could talk about some five wide packages with those five players whether it's Taylor Heineke, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, me, like you're going to gain yards through the air. And so, yeah, I think Washington's in a fantastic position, um, especially when you look around the rest of the division. Yeah. If they take a quarterback in the first round or it's Taylor Heineken, or I'm calling him Taylor Heineken from now on. Cause I just thought, right. I thought, I think it's witty, uh, which it probably isn't. Yeah. Uh, good stuff for them. Marvin Jones, wide receiver, Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, let's see last year. Well, our friend Larry Fitzpatrick did a really nice cut up of him. Um, he would have led the Jaguars last year, and he was the second to Galladay, but he would have led the Jaguars last year in every receiving category. And now you put him with LaVisca Chenault, DJ Chark, and probably Trevor Lawrence, and that becomes a very interesting offense with a quickness. Uh, the yep. other thing I'll say about the Jaguars, I'm not, and I've watched Shaquille Griffin since day one. Um, for the money you got, I think they gave him CB two and a half money for a CB two, uh, you know, very acrobatic can make splash plays all over the place, a very smooth route follower. I have never seen the aggression to close what I would call the last 20% of the route. That's where he gets into trouble. Um, I don't know if you can fix that, but the one guy I wanted to bring up is Rayshon Jenkins. And most of you were going, who? Well, Rayshon Jenkins played with the Chargers, and they had him as sort of a slot box guy. When he played the deep third, which was on about 200 snaps, he was a legitimate eraser. And I don't know why they didn't play him free more, especially with Derwin James hurt, um, but he can do that. And the Jaguars safeties last year, I, I, these are my unofficial stats. I think they gave up 436 touchdowns and had no interception, something Sounds like that. Sounds about right, though. It was bad. Um you know, Griffin is a nice, he can be a decent, you know, CJ Henderson bookend. Uh, they're starting to overhaul that defense. The Rayshon Jenkins thing, I, if they play him 50% or more at free at, at deep third, whether they play cover one or cover two, you could be looking at the end of the season. Hey, where did this Rayshon Jenkins guy come from? I think that could happen. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about how Jacksonville is in great position going into free agency. You know, you look at what they're starting to put together on offense. Um, obviously, we expect Trevor Lawrence there. Yeah. I think Jenkins and is a fantastic addition because of the things you've highlighted. Griffin, I mean, it's it's an option to corner. It um, is what it is. It is what it is. You know, you need you, – and if he can somehow improve on that last 20% of the route, then this would be a fantastic move for them. He's not going to be a disaster. I don't want to – No, no, no. He's going to be a solid NFL cornerback. He's not going to give up four okay. touchdowns a game. He's just not going to be, you know – You know, he's right. not going to be Darrell Revis at his prime. Right. Like, you're not getting that. Uh, uh, and yeah. Go ahead. Now they, I think they still have to address offensive line a bit. I think they need – Yeah. You know, who's, I don't know who's playing tight end for them. Um, that's probably something they'll draft in the mm -hmm. second round, maybe at the top of the second round. Brevin Jake, Jordan, uh, Pat Frybooth from from Penn State. But 
they're starting to put together a team that could look good. And, uh, you know, I'm going to keep saying it. I think this could be a playoff team if they get things right. Could happen. Speaking of the racers, last year, Dan Feeney, the center for the Los Angeles Chargers, allowed four sacks, five quarterback hits, and 24 quarterback hurries. It tied him with Connor McGovern of the Jets for the most total pressures, 33 allowed by any center. So what did the Chargers do? They went out and signed uh, this guy, Corey Lindsay from the Packers. And, and word is, Mark, he's pretty good. You know how many pressures he allowed last year? Four. I could probably count them on a hand. Or yes, you could, yeah. unless you're no, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, never mind. I w- I'm not going to go. Nope, 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 nope. nope. Everyone knows a joke I was going to make, and I'd like to apologize. Yeah. Uh, it's early, and I'm I'm, I'm kind of punchy and no sleep. Anyway, uh, that's an amazing deal for a, a team that really needed and still needs O line help because this is your this is your shot caller on offense, and he's going to keep everything tight and structured in the middle of that line. And Justin Herbert just got it a lot happier. Yeah. And they'll probably still have on Lindsay's house in LA. Justin, Herbert's Justin Herbert will pay him. Yeah. yeah. Because if, if you're the chargers, you look at the fact that you don't want a Joe Burrow situation. You got to no, keep this guy. Joe Burrow is still experiencing. Right. Uh, because they still need offensive line help. Um, Riley Reef, who the Bengals are apparently meeting with. Like, I'm not sure that solves everything, uh, but the chargers hey, are making I mean, sure. You, is he better than Bobby Hart? Yeah. Well, you know, it, yeah. It, it, Everyone else is. Are my cats better than Bobby Hart? I yes, think, they're certainly quicker. Yeah. Um. So you know, the Chargers needed to get offensive line help. I think this was a fantastic addition. They'll add some more. Um. You look around; they've got talent on both sides of the ball, the skill positions, and defensive front, of course. And they're starting to put together a team around Herbert, which is what you want to do if you've got the guy in the rookie deal. Which gets back to the economics of rookie quarterbacks we talked about earlier thank you very much speaking of quarterbacks on rookie deals uh the browns went 11 and 5 made the postseason for the first time since 2002 roster is stacked just about everywhere but there was one major problem grant delpit went down uh, second round pick went down with a uh well missed the whole season yeah uh due to a torn achilles tendon he suffered in training camp which was sucked because would have loved to have seen him on that really yep. fun player so the Browns put four different safeties on the field. And I mentioned this in one of our matchup podcasts in season. This is not their fault. When you have box no. safeties playing deep, it's not their fault. That's just who you have. It's Sheldrick Wedwine, Andrew Sandejo, Ronnie Harrison, and Carl Joseph. Those four players combined to allow 14 touchdowns, just three interceptions. Now the Browns have uh, Delpit hopefully back healthy and John Johnson, the third safety for the Rams last year. Um Johnson was the shot caller in Brandon Staley's defense. Staley was on the Richard Sherman and Chris Collinsworth podcast like a month ago, would not stop talking about how much he loved Johnson. And for that reason, I thought, hey, maybe Johnson goes to the Chargers, hook him up with Derwin James, that'd be fun. Uh, Johnson's coverage stats are not great, but this is why. And I mentioned it last week when we were talking about potential free agents. He would, he reminds me of Cam Chancellor, and he would rather knock your head off than catch the ball. That's who he is. He had a couple of plays last year where he uh, created deflections by physical presence, one against Rob Gronkowski, one against DK Metcalf. If you can do that, you're shooting way below par as a physical, intimidating presence. And this is a guy who can play box. He can play slot. He can play free. It allows Delpit, who's also a multi-position guy, to move around. And all of a sudden, this Browns defense just got hella interesting. It did. And... You know, I, I think the fact that he can play free is huge. Yes. Because when they were trying to run, whether it was cover two, cover four, cover three, like anything where you need disciplined safety play, 
Like they just struggle to do it. I mean, Sudeo, and it wasn't that these guys are bad. They just can't run point against the post. They can't do that. Yeah. That's not who I they mean, are. And, you know, that's exactly right. And now they've got somebody that could do that. And if they yeah, get two guys, back, if comes back healthy, they got, they're going they've got two guys that could do that and two fantastic, you know, fascinated pieces of safety. Um, and now suddenly, like you said, that defense looks a lot better, um, you know, as far as what they could add. Um, you know, some talent at the defensive front might be nice. A linebacker could help. Um, I've got them with JOK. They lost Ogan Joby. Okay. Yeah, they lost. Yeah. I think Ogan Joby went to the Bengals. Uh, yeah, cross state deal there. Um, but yeah, you're, you're talking about a defense that's suddenly getting a little bit better. And if their defense is the average, which it wasn't last year, not that back, uh, they become highly interesting because that that's not a fluke 11 and five. That's 11 and five. That's an 11 and five. that's not going away. Right. I think that's right. Uh, my guy, Romeo Aquara, resigned with the Lions, three years, 39 million, uh, more than worth it. Kevin Zeitler. This was one of the sneakier good signings. And this is why the Ravens just they do it right year after year. They lost Marshall Yonda to uh, retirement retirement before the 2019 season. Didn't really have oh, Ben Powers and Tyre Phillips trying to fill Yonda's right guard spot. And Yonda's, a, to me, and I don't know if he'll get it because you know people don't watch guard tape, but Yonda, to me, is a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's that good. Yeah. And also played tackle. So just a ridiculous guy. Well, Zeitler, I was looking at sports info solutions because that at that database, they get into like, how often did you play zone? How often did you play gap? How often do you have one or more pulling guards? Uh, let's see. The Ravens ran gap blocking with one or more pulling guards in the run game on a league leading 245 snaps getting a league-leading 1,518 yards, a league-leading 672 yards after contact, and a league-leading 13 touchdowns. Are we sensing a trend here? Maybe. The Giants in 2020 ran behind those kinds of blocking patterns on 125 snaps for 552 yards, 292 yards after contact, and one touchdown. Of course, the Giants didn't have Lamar Jackson or Lamar Jackson's running backs because Saquon Barkley was hurt, and Daniel Jones isn't Lamar Jackson, but it speaks to the fact that Zeitler, he's plug-and-play. They get Ronnie Stanley back who yeah. was hurt and Zeitler becomes that crucial, crucial, crucial part in any offense like that, which is he is your right-handed guy who can move and can get to the second level and can open up gaps in all sorts of interesting ways. I don't think people are going to talk about it. Cause again, he's a garden, you know, but I think that is, that is just, it's a brilliant signing, not only because of the talent of the player, but how the specific talent, works into the specific blocking scheme. It, right. Because you could, you know, like the top 10 guards of the NFL, maybe five of them would be that familiar with that scheme, maybe three, maybe two, I don't know, but Zeitler is. Yeah, absolutely. And when you look at how many times the Ravens like pull, like, you know, guard tackle counter, all the QB, you know, zone reads and structures and QB power reads off of that, it's critical to what they do. Um you know, I think this is huge for Lamar Jackson. I think this is huge for their run game. Yep. And, you know, like you said, it's a guard, so it's going to fly under the radar. It was sort of a trade that happened before free agency, so it's going to stay under the radar. But we might look back at this in a couple of months and think this is one of the best moves of the offseason. Maybe he's worth two wins because he's yeah. not as athletic as Yana, but he's nasty. He's just mean. He, he's he, he wants to blow your ass up. Yeah. No, I love this. 
so the Cardinals were the only team last year who had more four receiver sets than the Bills, and the Bills added they had, well they lost John Brown and they gained Emmanuel Sanders, which to me is a plus move, especially since Sanders costs less. Um, Sanders very underrated deep receiver, underrated, underrated deep receiver from the slot. Uh, so they got Stephon Diggs, they got Cole Beasley, they got the they got Gabe Davis, who I like. The grievously underrated Isaiah McKenzie, who caught five touchdowns from the slot last year. Watch that guy. And now they got Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, Josh Allen will not lack for slot targets. He will not lack for outside targets. That Bills passing game, Brian Dable did not get a head coaching job, so he comes back. Yep. Maybe Josh has passed all the man zone, late coverage switch. I have to throw underneath where I'm going to die. If he's passed that, hello, Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, I, now I wonder where Buffalo goes, um, but that offense looks to be where they want it. I know they. Who did you have him? Who who did they take in your mind? Eric Stokes, the corner from Georgia. Okay. Um, I know they just signed Levi Wallace back. But yeah, but I I, I think that, Stokes that, you know, is that's, more of an outside guy, and they can slide Wallace perhaps inside a bit. Where I think he's. I don't know. If, anyway. I don't know if Wallace is a slot guy though, and they've got uh, Teron Johnson in the slot. He's badass. Oh, that's true. Uh, um, I think Levi Wallace is more of a clunky, bigger guy, and it, now he did improve last year. And there are some games where he was just shut down, and some games where he, I guess, should have been shut down. <laughs> Very inconsistent, right? So but we'll he, you can always have you know. Always get more cornerback help in today's NFL. Hey, so. you know what? That that yeah. is the case. That is absolutely correct. Uh, so let's see. Best signings: Alex Mack, one year to the Niners. Alex Mack played with Kyle Shanahan in Cleveland. Alex Mack played with Kyle Shanahan in Atlanta, and now he plays with uh, and the, the whole Western Richburg thing. Just he got hurt. He got hurt. Yeah. He got hurt. I think he's retiring. He was a dominant center. It just sometimes the guy gets hurt over and over. Um, he's another guy like Zeitler where he comes into what a really complex offense and has like, oh, Alex, here's your playbook. Yeah, it's already in my head. So right. let's go. Yeah. Um, so that's whoever QB1 is in SF. Um, and I think we all, uh, we both agree that it shouldn't be the guy who is. Um, Trent Williams. Hey. Alex Mack. Mike McGlinchey. Well, the thing about McGlinchey, he's one of those 2018 draft picks where they got to decide by May 3rd whether to pick up his fifth-year option. He's allowed at least five sacks in each of his seasons. He's not been great. I, I no, don't he hasn't know. Been great. I don't know if the Niners move on from him, start to think about moving on from him. Maybe they draft a right tackle because there are a lot of sort of second to fifth round guys. I'm doing tackles for us this year. Yeah. A lot of second to fifth round guys who you know, not necessarily plug and play in the Zeitler max sense, but could certainly work in that regard. Yeah. Um, so that'll be interesting. Trent Williams. Yeah. That, that was pretty good. You can get a yeah, Trent Williams. That's a good move. If you can get a Trent Williams, you should probably go ahead and do that. You should probably um, do that. I think so. So uh, the worst free agent signings so far, Patrick Peterson to the Minnesota Vikings. And as I said, sometimes as an impartial NFL analyst, you just hate writing this stuff because I don't want to bag on Patrick Peterson. The guy, yeah. talk about first ballot Hall of Famers. Now, so they got Cameron Dantzler, the Vikings. They got Jeff Gladney. I think both of those guys improved as the season went along. It didn't help that the Vikings had no pass rush whatsoever. Um, that tends to leave your cornerbacks out in the lurch. Here's what I wrote about Peterson after studying his tape, I said he's not going to make a ton of plays anymore by matching the league's best receivers through every nuance of the routes. But he does still bring minimal value as a guy who knows how to read quarterbacks, uh, 
has an excellent sense of where the ball is going and gets there to create incompletions and interceptions at times. Does this sound like a safety to you? Is yes. he the next Charles Woodson? Is that yes. where he goes? Yeah. Because they're probably going to lose Anthony Harris and that's going to suck for them, but this might be a bridge and it could extend Peterson's career as a valid to plus NFL player by three to five years. Yeah. I mean, as you were starting to put that together, that's where my mind was going to the Charles Woodson realm of move him. Um, because look, he's, he's a savvy veteran guy. Like he knows how to read quarterbacks, knows how to read things. I, I think putting him in a, a sort of safety role might be a fantastic way. And, look, and that Mike doesn't Zimmer's mean he can't play guy. corner because no one, very few people play just corner. Right. Or, or just safety. You're all over the place now. Yeah. And, and Zimmer's a smart guy. I'm, I'm yeah. sure that, you know, especially when, look, they went, they drafted, what, two corners early last year? Yeah. And they started. Um, and they started. And like so, right away, because Xavier Rhodes and Trey Waynes just got thrown out. And, yeah. You know, yeah. And, and so if, if, <laughs> if you're looking at the safety market on the free agency market in this safety class, and you're thinking we're going to lose Anthony Harris, maybe you think a little bit outside the box, and Patrick Peterson might be the answer. It has to be incredibly frustrating for Zimmer because if Pete Carroll isn't the best defensive backs coach of his era, it's because Mike Zimmer is. And to see ugh, Waynes and Rhodes in 2019 were horrible. Uh, you know, Dantzler and Gladney were they, And again, they improved. And I think they yep. will continue to improve. Both very good players. I loved, especially Dantzler. Like, damn, this kid's tape is something else. Um, but I think, and it's funny when I graded Peterson as a D as a corner, a couple of people pointed out, well, do you think it could be a safety of the Charles Woodson thing? And I'm like, yeah, the more I think about it, the more I'm looking at what he, the attributes he still presents at this point in his career. I think it's a really nice fit as a, an intermediate to slot to deep third guy, depending on what they're running. It, yeah. That could be, that could be pretty cool. And I, you know, as I said, the guy who just played with one team his whole career, um, and it, we go back to how quickly as a cornerback, it wasn't that long ago. We were talking about Revis Sherman, Peterson, and Sherman's yeah. the only guy with any validity left in his position. Yep. And that's going to go away sooner than later. And he knows that. I mean, that's just, that's the way the position goes. AJ Green, AJ Green, wide receiver, Arizona Cardinals, 6 million guaranteed. Uh, the only advantage I can see here is maybe they put him at that useless backside ISO where they don't move him, which they did to DeAndre Hopkins on 97% of his snaps. Maybe AJ just stands there and gets his ass kicked on slip screens and they can start to move DeAndre around. Uh, let's see. AJ last year caught 47 passes on 104 targets. That's not a good catch rate. 523 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, That's some of that was on quarterback play too, but yeah. Well, some of it, but that catch rate with that many three-step drops is a problem. Yeah. Uh, Andy Dalton. Uh, now, this is not to impugn Andy Dalton. I think we all know what Andy Dalton is and more specifically what he isn't, but you knew that Mitchell Trubisky wasn't your guy. You know what Nick Foles is. Yep. You had the entire, you've had God knows how long to plan for this. And plan A for you is to basically give up half of Chicago for Russell Wilson. And that gets snuffed out by John Schneider at North Dakota State's Pro Day. Interesting yep. enough. Plan B is to sign Andy Dalton. And I think I'm thinking, is there, there is a curse. There is, it's like the curse of the Bambino for the Red Sox. Only that was actually rooted in institutional racism and they wouldn't, you know, take black players until 1959. And that's why they didn't win any world series. The Chicago thing, 
that's an actual curse with quarterbacks. I'm, I'm convinced there's something about Chicago where they just, there, there is some sort of like kaleidoscope prism thing that, that transcends 46 different GMs and 85 coaches. And that's just who they are. I mean, look at the, I saw and this God, graphic and floating God around. Can Allen Robinson file agreements with the league? Seriously. Um, but the Mount Rushmore of um, Ryan Pace quarterbacks, Andy <clears throat> Dalton, Mike, Mike Lennon, Mitch Trubisky, and Nick Foles. <clears throat> like those are his four quarterback moves. Well, he's still got a job. Well, that's just it. I, I saw Mike Wilborn on PTI with a fantastic rant about how this guy was allowed to make the next quarterback decision is beyond me. But he was allowed to make the next quarterback decision. Hopefully he doesn't make the fifth because those were your first four. Because the fifth is coming. Yeah. And like, is, is Dalton an upgrade over Trubisky? Like, yeah, sure. Is it enough? No. Is Warren an upgrade over Poison? Right. I mean, uh, Warren had one good song. I thought Uncle yeah. Tom's Cabin was quite good. Uh, yeah. So, you know. Cherry Pie wasn't that's, bad. It kind of was. Hmm. So, Chicago Bears... <laughs> Why do you hate Rashad Bateman? You want to put him in that boat? I mean, I, Mark, Mark selected Rashad Bateman of Minnesota to pair with Allen Robinson. And who's the guy they're trading? Anthony uh, Miller. Yeah. Yeah. So we're just going to give Andy Dalton. And the one thing I'll say about AJ Green is he must be like his neck must be sore from just inventing new catch radii for Andy Dalton's throws. So maybe these guys right. can, you know. I mean, look, Robinson and Bateman are good receivers that can maximize stuff after the catch. If there's one thing that Dalton can do, it's get you opportunities for yardage after the catch, which Trubisky couldn't. So there. It's just pathetic. Yeah. In my buyer beware free agency piece for defensive players, I had Trey Hendrickson, formerly the Saints, number one. Um, Now, the Cincinnati Bengals are going with an interesting strategy this year. They lose William Jackson and they sign uh, Chidobe Awuzie of uh, the Cowboys, who I think has good athletic traits, hasn't quite put it together. Mike Nolan really didn't help. Uh, they signed Mike Hilton. They got a lot better in the slot. Hilton is an underrated guy. I like Hilton a lot. They lose um, Carl Lawson to the Jets uh, and they signed Hendrickson instead. So the strategy of losing your best guys and replacing them with lesser guys, uh, well, you know, if you can do that, go right ahead. My problem with Hendrickson and I've mentioned this before. He had a rep against Eric Fisher, the ex-Chiefs left tackle, where Fisher couldn't even go through the arc. He had to bucket step five yards back. It's the only way he could handle the speed of Hendricks's, um, just his acceleration out to snap. Hendricks's problem, that's pretty much all he can do. So yeah. if you have a need, if you have like everything else and you just need a speed rusher, you know, maybe if the Bucks hadn't re-signed Shaq Barrett, and by the way, nice job, nice job, Buccaneers. Yeah. Good lord, with everything. Uh, Levante David comes back for three point six million cap hit. <laughs> nice, yeah. and, and we'll get to them in a minute. But if you have a, if like, if the Buccaneers don't get Shaq Barrett back, they could use a Hendrickson because they have Vita Vita. They would probably get Diamond Sue back. They got Jason Pierre-Paul, so you need a speed guy on the other side. The Bengals need a lot more than that. So uh, I, this is not to say that Hendrickson is a bad player. He does a couple of things really, really well. It's not him. It's kind of like the, with the Brown safeties. If you put him in a position where he's going to have to stunt inside and maybe play some four eye in multiple fronts and, you know, my Bengals defense rants, I'm, I'm just out of them. I don't know what the hell they're going to do. And no one else does either. Yeah. Um, that's just kind of who he is. Jameis Winston. 
Taysom Hill. You're the quarterback guy. You tell me because I got nothing. I mean, they need somebody to play the position. Um, maybe, <laughs> you know, I could coach him up by this. You know, Sean to maybe, maybe the curse extends itself because Sean Payton used to play quarterback for the Bears. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's like rub it off on him. Mm-hmm. Um, th- you hope that maybe Winston learned something over this past season, stepped away from the starting lineup. I mean, I, th- I think that's the hope there. But I mean, he was okay, one of going back to Chicago Bears. Did Jay Cutler ever anything? No. Is Jameis Winston Jay Cutler? Perhaps. Yes. So there you go. Uh, the Carolina Panthers <laughs> offensive line. Cam Irving mm-hmm. at Elf Line. And yeah. Ben Lindsay of Pro Football Focus. I'll just leave it at this. Ben Lindsay of Pro Football Focus made this point on Twitter. There are 151 offensive linemen who have played at least 1,500 offensive snaps since 2018. A few random three-year PFF grades and ranks from that group. Pat Elfline is 147th. Cam Irving is dead last at 151st. Is your two new offensive linemen, Panthers fans? Oh, so I guess Zach Wilson, he better he better eat his Wheaties and you know run yeah. around like he does because yeah. get that boot to. going get that boot yeah. out of the pocket he'll be he'll he will exceed both jared goff and kurt cousins who i believe were one and two in boot last year he will like exceed both of them combined because the last week yeah there you go uh leonard williams this was more about the fact that they franchised franchise him last year they gave him a three-year 63 million dollar deal with a whopping 45 million guaranteed now it's eleven million dollars in twenty twenty one, but it goes up to twenty six point five million next year, and then twenty five point five million in twenty twenty three. They can't get out of it. His his dead money in twenty twenty two is thirty four million. So if Williams, who really had that one great year under Patrick Graham, and there's no reason to believe he won't have another great year under Patrick Graham, but if anything happens, Gettleman just boxed himself in here as Gettleman is you know that is his want. That is yep. who he is. So yeah. There you go with that. Jared Davis, linebacker, New York Jets. Uh, we reached out to Jeff Risden of our sister site, Lance, whatever about this. He's like, I don't know. Maybe he can blitz. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Let him blitz. Jeff Risden, smart guy, fellow headbanger. We just don't know what the hell's going on there. Yep. Yep. So I want to finish with best players still left. Um, we discussed Kenny Galladay. There's a lot of talent left. I'm che- I keep checking Twitter to see in the hour or whatever. Yeah, nothing's before. happened. Yeah, nothing's happened. So Kenny Galladay, injuries to depressed receiver market. He will be a real asset for someone. Anthony Harris um, allowed no touchdowns and seven had seven picks in 2019. Four touchdowns allowed, zero picks last year. And that had a lot to do with the pass rush because Harris – especially in one of the Detroit at Detroit where he broke up a Muhammad Sanu pass 45 yards downfield. Stafford still made this in like ungodly throw. Yeah. Um, Harris is still that guy. Somebody yeah. is going to get him maybe for cheap because the safety market has sucked for a long time. Uh, Richard Sherman, you know, we'll see. I, we'll I see. think, you know, the Seahawks are looking for cornerback help. The Seahawks are looking for safety help. Um, the Seahawks did get Gabe Jackson. Love that. And Hey, they got your guy, Mark Schofield, president of the Gerald, Gerald Everett. Club. So, Love it. Love that. They're, they ran 28, 12 personnel, like 28% of the time last year. Now you've got one guy that can help with that. Yeah. Well, what is the, uh, the, I don't think it, this is, I don't know if it's legal, but four running backs, is that what? 41, 41 personnel or 40 personnel. I think that's what Pete would like to run. Yeah. 
Will Fuller, uh, very fast, very excellent downfield target, kind of historically brittle. Uh, Juju is apparently talking to the Jets. Which would be interesting. That would be highly interesting. Maybe Sam Darnold would sell Mims and Juju. That's that's not too bad. Well, Corey Davis. Yeah, Corey Davis at the Z, Juju yeah. in the slot, Mims yeah. at the X. That could work. Yep. Uh, Russell Okung, speaking of former Seahawks, Alejandro Villanueva. So there's still some tackle talent. There's know. still some tackles out there. Uh, some zone cornerbacks, Troy Hill, who I really like. Um, Michael Davis re-signed with the Chargers. That was a smart move by them. Carlos Dunlap, early 30s, but can still get it done. Yep. Antonio Brown. He's going back to. I would think so. Yeah, they're, they're all going for two. And Dominican Sue, same diff. Yeah. And, and I, I pointed out in, there was one fourth quarter drive in the Super Bowl where <laughs> Sue had one and a half sacks and a roughing the password penalty that negated another sack. Like Sue was good all year. And then in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, he just turned into the Indama Kung Sue who played for Nebraska and I think ruined Colt McCoy forever. He just I'm still, as a Nebraska fan, I'm still angry over that Big 12 championship game. And yeah. Sue should have gotten more votes for the Heisman than he did. Sue. Is the most, and it was in a, you know, that whole Bill James thing of career value versus peak value in a peak yeah. value sense. This is a bold statement, but and Kung Su is the most dominant defensive player in a peak value sense I've ever seen. Yeah. At, at, at that apex. Yeah. I've never seen a guy. And again, I, you don't make these comparisons. My comparison to him was Joe Green. Right. You don't do that. But and he's not that guy anymore, but he has nope. these. It's like he'll save it up and save it up and save it up, and not a close game anymore. But fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, here comes the highlights. And yeah, right. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, I think, I think I asked, he goes back to Indy. Yeah, I asked you last week if you would take T.Y. Hilton or Will Fuller. I'd take Hilton. Yeah, I mean, they're slightly different, but yeah, Olivier Vernon, who I think is a rotational guy, disappointment here. KJ Wright, same Quentin Dunbar. Boy, I wonder if, because he was so good with Washington in 2019. If he goes, mm-hmm. oh, boy, if he goes back and they can put Kendall Fuller in the slot. Yeah. That wow. might be something to watch. Holy beans. Yeah. Now, Pittsburgh had the best pass defense DVOA. They lost Bud Dupree. They lost Mike Hilton. If Washington gets Quentin Dunbar back and they put him and William Jackson outside, Kendall Fuller in the slot, that could be the number one pass defense in the NFL. Could be Trey Boston. Am I the only one? You know me. You know this, Mark. I've been on the Trey Boston thing for like four years. For a while. He goes to from this team to that team to this team. That he's good every year. He's still very good. I don't he's understand good, why he's, he's like, good deep third every year. I, I explained yeah. to me like I'm five. I don't know. I don't understand how this league values or tries to value, value safety. But no, Kalachio Semele. Uh, got hurt, but boy, when he was in there, he made Kansas. He was City healthy. Off. He was good. I mean, Kansas City obviously looked at bringing Kyle Long back. They signed Joe Tooney, so I don't think they bring him back. Well, but, Kyle could play right tackle. That's true. And Assembly was really good in that offense. So we'll yeah, see. and you had them taking uh, Dickerson, Landon Dick, the I did. center, which yeah. I also did because I just love that guy's tape. And he could play anywhere. And yep. if people haven't watched it, watch it. Watch his film breakdown thing that he did with Brandon Thorne. So good. It's fantastic. Brandon's the man. Yeah, we love Brandon. NFL 1000 alum also. It's funny having Duke and Brandon as our O-line guys. It was like we just sat around the campfire and learned because, you know, (laughs) 
Uh, Jaquiski Tart, multi-positional safety. I think underrated guy. Yeah. Um, let's see. Rashad Breland. Now, Rashad, the thing about him is you don't want him matching over the middle. But these were his stats on – okay, I'm looking forward. His stats on deep passes. Oh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Gosh darn it. His, his QBR on passes of 20 or more areas is something like 3.8. And Darius Williams is second with about 20 QBR. Wow. So he is the ultimate. He was the best deep eraser in the NFL last year. It's just that anything else. Anything else is not so good. Yeah. Um, I mean, he. Yeah, there was this one play. Tim Patrick, Broncos receiver, another really underrated guy. Just, you know little outside thing in the red zone and, and you just couldn't keep up, but you know, that, that will happen from time to time. Yeah. Um, anything has surprised you or has surprised you in this free agency cycle, any winners or losers I didn't mention anything else you'd like to bring up? Um, anything else that has surprised me? Um, not really. I mean, I, I think the two big st- storylines were sort of what Washington has done. And we've talked about that in the wide receiver market. Um, and we've talked about that as well. I'm surprised that there's still tackle talent available. Um, Oaken, Villanueva, um, you know, we talk about the need to protect quarterbacks in today's NFL. Well, those guys are still available. So that is kind of surprising. But other than that, I think um, it's the schism between the players wanting three and four year deals and the team saying, no, it's one or two, take it or leave it. I I think maybe Friday Friday or over the weekend, we're going to see a tidal wave of the second tier guys going, oh, okay. Okay, fine. We'll take the bet on me deal. And then, yeah. And then we'll be grading, you know, 50 guys in five minutes. Can't wait. Woohoo. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So that's what we got going on touchdown wire. We have literally, I think, 75 different articles of player grades and sky reports and tape and all that. So check us out at touchdown wire. Uh, Mark's mock draft. All mock draft on Monday. And I have to finish up my draft safeties because we got to do position reports right around the corner. That's, yep. that's happening soon. Very soon. Florida State's Pro Day, <coughs> I believe, tomorrow, and TCU's Pro Day tomorrow. So I get to interview uh, – I got uh, to Teron Morig, who I had going to SF at 12. And uh, it's funny. I keep saying – I, I want to say Asante Samuel Jr., and I keep almost saying Antoine Winfield because not he doesn't remind me of Winfield Jr., he reminds me almost exactly of Winfield senior. And I was talking to Matt yeah, yeah. Bowen about this and Matt was like, yeah, that's who he is. He's that guy could play for 19 years. Oh, he's too short. No, he isn't. Oh, he nope. can't play outside. Yeah, he can actually, well, he can't match. Oh yeah, he can. Well, he can't, you know, make contested catches with receivers who are four yards or four inches taller. Oh yeah. He just did. So yeah. Interesting guy. Anyway, uh, cool stuff as always, Mark, uh, boy, we just, I, I will say uh, Mark has crushed it. I have been, you know, my usual adequate self. <laughs> be crushing it too, buddy. And uh, yeah, so keep it tuned to Touchdown Wire. We'll be back very soon with, uh, we might do a little more free agency wrap up, but the next you'll be hearing from us, it's draft and it's right around the flipping corner. So get ready for that. Uh, Doug and Mark signing off. We'll talk soon.